Well, a win is a win. Some good things, some bad things, some help from the referees. But you don't have to give it back. Jets get some revenge on the Dolphins. And we're talking about it on the Brandon Contest Jets podcast right now. Contest. I am a contest. You better like me. I'm from Patchogue. All righty. Nice job with the free music, as always, YouTube. You're listening to the Brandon Contest Jets podcast on SB Nation. Episode 22 of my first ever sports podcast, where we keep it simple. We keep it short. Never more than 20 minutes. If I have more to say, I just put in another podcast. But no Le'Veon Bell, no Jamal Adams, no Arthur Mollette, no Brian Poole. We talked about this last week. Yes, I was very nervous going into this game against the Miami Dolphins. And and let's be real, they probably should have lost this game. I don't think that pass interference on the final drive, which would have made it 4th and 18 from the 46, and instead it made it 1st down from the 38, I don't think it should have been called, but it was. It was a break that went the Jets' way, so you take it, but you still need to capitalize on it, which they did. And it's the same with Major League Baseball and the whole sign-stealing scandal. You can know a pitch is coming, but you still need to hit it. You still need to capitalize on it. And with Mariano Rivera, you knew what pitch was coming every single time. But there were still a lot of Major League Baseball players that could not hit that cutter for Mariano Rivera, even they knew what pitch, even though they knew what pitch was coming. So you get those breaks, whether it's stealing a sign in baseball or whether it's a break from a referee in football, and you need to take advantage of it. The Jets took advantage of it here, and they ended up winning the game. Um, I want to throw some love at the TV announcers in this game for a second. First of all, I'm a Tom McCarthy fan from his days with the Mets back in 05 and 06 on radio. I'm a big fan of Jay Feely also from his time with the Jets ever since he went out in a playoff game and served as the Jets kicker and punter against the Bengals back in the 09 season. And that was when Steve Weatherford was a late scratch with an irregular heartbeat, if you remember. So Feely did both. The Jets get the win. That, of course, that's the season that ended against the Colts in Indy for the AFC Championship game. Up 17-6 in the second quarter, 17-13 at the half. They lose 30-17, to a game I was at. But anyway, Jay Feely will always have a place in my heart for, from that game in Cincinnati. And I love that he came out swinging at Adam Gase on Sunday, which he did. He was critical of Gase for not running the ball against Cincinnati the last week, the week prior, which we spent plenty of time discussing on the last pod. They used Bell 10 times against the worst run defense in football. Le'Veon Bell, 10 rushes. They aired out almost 50 times, and they get embarrassed 22-6. to And Feely came right out Sunday at the start of the Dolphins game, and he called the Jets game plan against the Bengals an indictment on Adam Gase, which I I loved it because we were talking about the same thing last week. And honesty from a national broadcaster, which is something that you rarely get, and then he was also critical he was critical of the decision to not go for it on 4th and 5 on their first drive. Again, I love the honesty. I agreed with him. I, I did not want them to punt the ball there on the first drive. Turned out to be the right call, but I didn't like it at the time, if, if I'm being honest. Then, Philly also brought up the lack of production the Jets have gotten out of Le'Veon Bell. Another thing that we've spent plenty of time on this season. And he put the blame on the head coach, which is true. Bell has not been great. Maybe Bell is no longer great. Maybe Bell is no longer the player he was in Pittsburgh. But Gase is not using him correctly. And then Bilal Powell goes out on Sunday and he rushes for 74 yards against the Dolphins. A better game than Bell has had all year long. 19 rushes with Powell, 9 for Ty Montgomery. So it's not like Gase is incapable of using a run game. He just doesn't do it with Le'Veon Bell, and it's an indictment on him. It shows a lack of creativity. It shows an inability to use a game-changing player, an inability to coach your talent, a stubbornness, an unwillingness to adapt, an unwillingness to make adjustments. Gase is a one-trick pony as a head coach, and if things don't go exactly according to his plan, exactly the way he wants and expects, then he just throws in the towel. 
And I appreciated hearing a similar sentiment from a national broadcaster, from a national announcer in Jay Feely. I thought that was great. Now, luckily, the quarterback, Sam Darnold, is showing tons of maturity, which we saw again in this game against the Dolphins. So the Jets take the lead late in the fourth quarter against the Dolphins, and then the defense gives up the field goal. They give up the lead. They have no timeouts left, no timeouts left for the offense. It's a little demoralizing, but it was a great maturization moment for Sam to keep his composure and lead the team for essentially two late-game scoring and late-game winning drives. And the maturity at the age of 22 is amazing, not just for Sam, but for so many pro athletes. Now, there are plenty of pro athletes that never mature, but for a lot of them, living in the spotlight, having to talk to tons of reporters on the regular, it's amazing how mature they are, how well-spoken they are. I'm 31. There are many times that I talk to a 22-year-old and I I just kind of look at them like, you have a license? You're old enough to drive? The maturity of somebody like Darnold who went to USC, who has now dealt with New York for two years, it's amazing how mature and how wise he seems compared to some of the 22-year-olds that I come across in my life. But it's important to remember that. It's important to remember that Sam Darnold is still just 22 years old. It wasn't that long ago that he wasn't legally allowed to drink. And that's what makes me shake my head at the uh, the page six story from a week or two in the New York Post. And, and not shake my head at Sam Darnold, but shake my head at the New York Post for thinking that this was egregious in some way. That he was seen in a club with teammates after beating the Raiders. That he was with a girl. That he was apparently very drunk getting into a cab. And ends up in the New- this ends up in the New York Post as a bad thing? Why? He's 22. He was out Sunday night after a victory. This was not Saturday night before a game. This was not Friday night, Thursday night, Wednesday night when he should be preparing for a game. It was Sunday night. He was with teammates. That's a good thing. He was out with his team. He was with a girl. He's 22. He's not married. What's wrong with that? But the Post ran with it as if it was a a takedown story. But I think Darnold is incredibly mature. I think it it comes across in how well-spoken he he is. It, It comes across in his play under pressure. And it comes across in the way that he's been able to turn around a season in which not that long ago I was calling for him to be benched. But now Sam is 5-5 five and five on the year. Now Sam has 15 touchdowns in 10 games. He has 2,400 yards. All of a sudden, these are numbers that are much more respectful for a second-year quarterback than what we saw from him earlier on in, in the season. But more importantly, they say, they say, what is it you should usually, you would know what a quarterback is going to be after 25 games? I think that's what it is, that by their 25th start, you should know what type of player they are, which side of average they belong on. Darnold now has 23 starts, so he's closing in on that 25 number. He's closing in on that 25-start mark, and in starts 19 through 23, Darnold is 4-1 and one with 9 touchdowns and 2 picks. So if we take those stats and we go by the 25-start marker, Four and one, nine touchdowns, two picks. Darnold is right now, he's making a very good case that he's going to be on the right side of average. And I did not think that we'd be saying that five weeks ago. And again, I think Adam Gase is a terrible head coach. We've spent plenty of time on that, and I'm sure we're going to spend more time on it. But that doesn't mean that he can't help Darnold develop. And I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it is natural progression from Darnold. I think it's unfair to say, though, that Gase has not had some sort of impact on him. And I like to be fair. But you got to love the connection that he's building with Robbie Anderson right now. And you know that Robbie Anderson loves it especially because he's a free agent. It's 7 for 116 and a touchdown. They're playing really well. And this is why you like that Joe Douglas decided not to deal Robbie at the trade deadline. 
This right now is so much more valuable to the Jets than a fourth-round draft pick would have been. Seeing Sam develop, seeing Sam with a playmaking wide receiver is a hell of a lot more important than a mid-round draft pick would have been. And if Mike McCagnan were still here, I have no doubt that he would throw money at Robbie because it's one of his draft picks, and there weren't that many that were good. So if you hit on just one, you're going to keep him. Robbie is not Joe Douglas's guy, so he's not going to pay him, and I agree with that. I would not pay Robbie Anderson, and it's not that I don't like him as a player. I do. It's just that Robbie Anderson is the type of wideout that good teams, good front offices, good general managers, they find in the draft consistently. You draft Robbie Anderson, you get a decent three years out of him, and you move on and draft another player like him. You don't pay him. You don't pay a mid-level wide receiver. There are so many wide receivers in the draft, and the Jets have been terrible at finding them. But they have to be better. The answer cannot be to pay a position that should be easy to find in the draft. The answer has to instead be get better at finding that player in the draft. And you just you hope that Joe Douglas is going to do a better job of that than Mike McCagnan did. But hey, how about Sam Ficken? Who thought we'd be saying this a few weeks ago? Maybe maybe the Jets should pay Ficken as their kicker. You know what? Kickers, they're, they're like relief pitchers. You don't know when they're going to go on a two- or three-year hot streak. You also don't know when they're going to go lose it completely. It's an impossible, a nearly impossible position to predict or scout. So maybe this is something that gets Ficken going, hitting these two field goals. After missing an extra point, after the tough season that he's had, I had zero. I, had zero, I mean, zero faith in him kicking a late-game field goal, let alone two late-game field goals like he did against the Miami Dolphins, let alone a game-winning field goal. So give Ficken a, a ton of credit. Maybe this jump starts a hot streak in his career. And, I, and I, I don't mean just two weeks. I mean like two years. It's not crazy. You can't predict him. You don't know when a kicker is about to be good or bad. That being said, if it comes down to needing a field goal in Baltimore Thursday night to win it, I will have no confidence that he's going to get it. But coming off this good good game, you hope maybe it's going to jumpstart him a, a little bit, get, get him going. Maybe, like I said, maybe jumpstart a couple of years out of him. And maybe he will be worth paying. My God, Quinton Williams is so bad. He, he might be worse than Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams was disappointing, but he wasn't a bust. Quinton Williams right now, he looks like a bust. One tackle on Sunday. One and a half sacks all season, and then you got nine for Josh Allen, of course, with the Jaguars. The only time we really saw Quinton Williams was when he does something wrong. That that play on the Dolphins for a scoring drive, my, my goodness. Uh, he, he busts right through the offensive line, and it's like his plan was to get through the offensive line and just, to just grab the back's face mask. A normal tackle, and you would have had the Dolphins punting on 4th and 10. Instead, it's 1st down and setting them up for points, which they ended up getting. Oh, you know you know what else I wanted to note as a positive for Sam? He was starting to look injury-prone, and he missed the three games last year in his rookie season with the foot injury. Maybe part of that was a benching. But he would have at least missed some time with that as an injury. And then this year, he had mono. Of course, he misses time with that. But then earlier in the year, we saw him play with a sprained thumb. He had the toenail injury, and he played. Last week, he has the knee injury, and he still played. Sunday, his throwing hand gets stepped on against the Dolphins, and he still played. He went from looking injury-prone to now he looks tough. And that's a great sign, because you need to play through injuries in this league. And recently, he's shown a fantastic ability to do that, because you're going to get hurt, but you need to stay on the field. You'll love that. You need that. And you just look across town, you see Daniel Jones now in his rookie season. He's missing some time with an ankle injury. And then there's Eli. Dude's in his 16th season, and he never once missed a game. Not one game with an injury. Not once. It's crazy. But Darnold is proving that he can play when he gets banged up. And you need to have that ability. And I wouldn't have faulted him for not coming back in the game after having his throwing hand stepped on by a cleat. 
But not only did he come back in, he hits Vincent Smith for a clutch 37-yard gain. He orchestrates a game-winning drive. It's fantastic to see. And then now we got Baltimore's coming up, and it's coming up quick. Thursday night, and, and here's what I'll say. My, my confidence is, is definitely low, but Thursday night games could be a crapshoot. Baltimore is 11-2. and two. They have a two-game lead, essentially a two-game lead on the conference because they beat the uh, Patriots head-to-head, and they can overlook the Jets. They definitely can, but they have one of the best coaches in football. It's tough to anticipate Harbaugh letting the Ravens fall into a trap game. It's tough to anticipate Harbaugh that, that he wouldn't have the Ravens as ready as any head coach would have them for a Thursday night game. Adam Gase, on the other hand, not so much confidence. And then Lamar Jackson, the best quarterback right now from Sam Darnold's draft class, no question about it, and an MVP candidate. You could argue an MVP favorite. He's incredibly fun to watch. He's hard not to root for. He's a hard worker with electric talent. The Jets, though, are the top-run defense in football. The Jets' secondary is brutal right now with injuries. But let's see Greg Williams dial it up. Take the run away and try to manufacture some pressure on the quarterback. Hopefully the pass interference call to help the Jets beat the Dolphins is the start of a string of good luck calls. Hopefully Sam Ficken is on a good stretch. Hopefully the Jets' run defense continues to be strong. Hopefully Sam Darnold stays hot. Hopefully we have some fun Thursday night. And I say that with one eye open. But hey, you never know. Thanks for listening to the Brandon Condes Jets podcast. We'll chat soon, and as always, be good.